Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. With that being said, we're going to continue our worship. Pastor Debbie's going to help me. I'm going to ask you, out of respect for God's word, to stand. We're in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read the first eight verses. I will read verse 1, and then you will read verse 2 with Pastor Debbie, back and forth through verse 8. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. Verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all of his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give you this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 8. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. Let's pray. And I'm asking today, Lord, that the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray this morning, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, Amen. you can have a seat. Thank you, Pastor Debbie. Glad that you are with us this morning. Anybody glad that they came into the house of the Lord this morning? Yes. Don't know any place I would rather be than with followers of Jesus Christ, especially in this day and age. Well, Pastor Michael did a brilliant job. I was at a conference this week with the Wesleyan Church, and he started our series on faith walking, and we're going to continue on. What we truly want to do over this um, next several weeks is to truly enable us to understand that all of us are on a faith walk, and we all can learn, and we want to actually use characters of the Bible, they're, they're, they're the things they did well, the things they didn't do so well, that somehow God still used their life. But let me back up. And just say this, what does the Bible say about faith? How does the Bible de, um, define it? Hebrews 11, 1 says that we, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance of what we do not see. Did you hear me, church? Let me say that again. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance in what we yet do not see. In other words, we're trusting in the one that Scripture has made the declaration, and it is that faith that carries us day by day and moment by moment. Can I get an amen? amen. Pastor Michael gave us the illustration of the life of Noah last week as he um, truly was a man of faith and God used powerfully. Today, as you can see in the Scripture, we're going to look at the life of Abraham briefly, but yet look at this guy. Now, Scripture declares that Abraham is a man of faith that he is the father of faith. Now, 
I don't think he just got there by snapping his finger, fingers. What we do know is this, is that faith is a verb. It builds upon itself. And every one of my yeses enables me to have greater faith as I move down. Mark my word, passive faith is weak faith. Passive faith is weak faith. And we need to be people that continue to do that. Now, it's just like exercising. Uh, as I said, I was down in Indiana for a couple of days helping my mom and I was tired realizing that I wasn't 20 anymore, but I still got up every morning and I ran. I ran less than I typically run, but I ran nonetheless. Why? Exercise builds upon exercise and you do it in the moment that your body says don't do it. That's when it has the greatest results. Does this make sense to anybody? For those of you who don't exercise, you're like, I have no clue. For the rest of us, you can say Amen. We see that the Bible is full of characters that as they truly did their faith walk, there were obstacles for them. Their stories were different nonetheless. Enoch's issue was submission. Noah's was comfort. Joshua's was fear. We'll look at him next week. If the music doesn't work, we're gonna die, right? And then here we have Abraham. His challenge was control. Anybody have an issue with control? That moment when we realize in life, I cannot control everything. I can't make every choice and I can't fix it. That's a hard one, is it not? My personality type, it is hard. I like to fix, I like to control, I like to make decisions, and at the end of the day, I must submit to the one who makes all the decisions. Can I get an amen, church? Abraham walked with God. This enabled him to be willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. Now, what I want you to understand is that Abraham's choice to be a faith walker wasn't isolated for himself. So often we read scripture, so often we come to church and we only read scripture and we only approach God as it relates to me. But what you need to understand is that we were created to interact with one another. And the decisions that we make actually has a, a ripple effect on people all around us. We know that by Abraham, don't we? We know that God, when he was calling him out late in life, to say the least, 75, right, as the scripture says, that he was going to create, God was going to create through him what? A nation. And what you need to understand, that nation of Israel, that you and I are setting here right now as the fulfillment of that promise. Did you know that? In Genesis chapter 15, he had Abraham yet again look up into the stars after this chapter, and he said, you see all the stars, Abraham? Can you count them? That's how numerous your descendants are going to be. Fast forward to Galatians chapter 3, and the apostle Paul says, and you who believe are descendants of Abraham. You are now the one to be the blessing. In other words, when God said this to Abraham way back when, he was thinking of you and I right here and right now. He already knew we would be gathered. And this man's decision, incredible, isn't it, to step out in his faith journey at 75 years old, actually is impacting you and I today. Your decisions to be a faith walker is much broader than you can really understand. Uh, we all have stories that way, do we not? The year was 1982, the gentleman's name was Dwight and we were at a camp in Michigan and he looked over from a distance, he saw a 15 year old teenager who didn't know Jesus. And he was playing volleyball. And as he was a man of faith, believing that he would do whatever God said to him, God said to him, I want you to engage this teenager. I want you to begin a relationship with him. I want you to build into his life. And that individual was me. 
And the amazing thing about that is that his faith impacted me. And as he and I have talked over the years in our Paul-Timothy relationship, is that I eventually started to live in another country to a, a group of people that never had a relationship with Jesus before. And although he never set foot in that country, his faith journey impacted that country. You're following me today, church. And I remember after that, even in my very first moment of, of being a faith walker, I was, I was a teenager and I was uh, at a, a, a lunch, at our lunchroom, and I looked over and I saw Jay, who was a friend of mine, and I believe God said to me, I want you to go talk to Jay. And I started to talk to him about Jesus. And what you need to know is I grew up in a town that everybody, um, they totally were all about basketball. And Jay was six foot ten, or is six foot ten. And Jay accepted Jesus Christ and then led us to a state championship and got to preach the gospel to the entire city via the local newspaper. Now I'm dating myself with newspaper. I didn't have such a platform, but faith walking impacts way beyond us. Does this make sense to anybody? We need to understand this church and that when we see that faith walking, it's not just so that I can be prosperous or I can be uh, free of struggle, but that my life can have impact and truly what God wants for all of us. And so I wanna look at Abraham and just give you three thoughts from this passage today that I think will help us on our faith walking. The first thing that you will see from here in the very first verses uh, is simply that Abraham was willing to go. Somebody say go. Say it again, go. Now imagine with me, if I said to you today, you can go on an adventure of a lifetime and I will pay for all of the expenses. Everything back here will be taken care of at home. You don't have to worry about anything. You can go wherever it is you want to do, experience whatever it is you want to experience, and it's all paid for. How many of you with a raised hand would say, I'm all in? Anybody? You guys wouldn't take me up on that? How many? I'm asking you, how many of you would take up the invitation, all expenses paid, you would go, and you would um, have an adventure of a lifetime? Raise your hands again. Yeah? I was going to say, man, I would, I, I'm not understanding if you wouldn't be willing to go there. But as it relates to God, he's given us such an opportunity. He's truly given us an opportunity. And here's this guy, Abram, who becomes Abraham, right? And he's 75 years old, as I already said. And as God said to go, he actually was a man of wealth. Genesis chapter 11 said. He already had his tribe. He had, he had a lot of things to actually lose in the process, but it said something about him because if you go to Hebrews 11, it says that he was willing to go even though he did not know where that was. Now, isn't it so American in our interaction with God that we do our faith journey or our faith walk in such a way, maybe you don't, maybe you do, but when we feel and sense that God is calling us to something, we say, wait a minute, God, I want all the details. How many of you are a detail person? It's what's so great about being a generalist. I just, I'm okay with that. But Pastor Curtis, who is a detail guy, we compliment one another really well. But as it relates to God's call in our lives, we don't have to have all the answers. What did he say? He says to go. And he had to go first before he knew where he was going to go. Anybody feel comfortable with that? Not an easy thing, is it? How many of you be willing to go on a faith journey with God when you don't know all the details? It's kind of like what we've said over and over again in our church. A faith walker is equivalent to a water walker. 
that I'm willing to focus on Jesus and do whatever he wants for me. Now, why was it possible for Abraham to go? If you look in those first three verses, what you'll see five times as God said what? I will. Five times he said, I will. In other words, Abraham believed that what God said he would do, he literally would do. What an incredible impact that was. He was convinced that God would actually do what he needed to do. And with the disciples, what did Jesus do? He said, he didn't give them a lot of details, did he? He said, come and follow me. And they followed Jesus without all of the details. And I think it's in Romans chapter eight. It says to you and I today, the spirit calls us to come and follow him as he calls us. But why do we hesitate? Don't we hesitate? We hesitate in the go because there's a myth of security. And in what, that's, that's called the American dream or the American ideology is, that, is the core of comfort, the nest egg, that we need all of these things and we're not willing to risk for God as a result. If there's one thing the last two years has taught us is that that nest egg and that security isn't as secure as we thought it was. Can somebody say amen? And what we understand is that our security needs to be in him alone. I'm reminded of Jim Elliott who said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep but to gain what he can never lose. Did you catch that, church? Let me say that again. He is no fool who gives up all of this that he cannot keep, but to gain what he could never lose. You know what the Bible says about that? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jim Elliot did die. They called him a fool. He went to the, uh, the Aqua Indians in Ecuador. He died. But if you were to go there today, that tribe is a, they are followers of Jesus as a result of this man's commitment. And I'm convinced with everything that I've got, although his go was more dramatic than most of ours will ever be, that when he crossed over on the other side, there was Jesus saying, was it worth it? You know that it is worth it when we say yes to his go, whatever that looks like for each and every one of us. Taking a risk brings glory to God. You see, he finally learned, we see that where he was going was Canaan. And God says, I have a plan for you. What does your goal look like? Does it mean taking that job? Does it mean selling that house? Or living in this country or that country? Or serving in this ministry or that ministry? Or is your goal simply taking the message of Jesus publicly? You all know the verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not part of it, but all of it. In all your ways, why? Knowledge him and he will do what? Make your path straight. He has an incredible plan for our life. It's an adventure. It's an adventure. And so many of us make our excuses as to why we won't and why we can't have this faith walk with God. And I'm here to call us out today and say we were created for a whole lot more than we could ever begin to dream or imagine. And so many of us think that because we mess up and because we struggle with our faith, let me just say this clearly to us today. KCC is a place that you can have doubts. You can doubt and you can struggle in your faith. This is a safe place. We wanna come alongside you and hear you and see you and value you because what we know at the end of the day, we all have our doubts. Is this true, yes or no? Come on, is this true, yes or no? I'm always open. Mine just happened this weekend. 
I wasn't planning on sharing this, but you all know a bit of my journey with my youngest daughter. And so I'm helping my mother get all of her furniture out of the house so she's moving to another location because of her husband has Alzheimer's. And then my daughter gets to inherit some of that furniture. She lives nearby in Marion. So I load up the U-Haul and take the furniture she gets gifted from her grandmother. And I, we really haven't had these conversations much. I'm just loving on her to being her dad. For those of you who don't know, she's denounced her faith. It's been critically difficult for her mother and I. My wife deals with things way better than me. I tend to fret a whole lot more on her. She, she brought it up, and for the next two hours of our journey together back and forth, it didn't go so well. We didn't fight, but the, the depth of my heart was broken of where she's at and what she believes and how she's created that. I gotta tell you, man, that, it, it didn't, it didn't, didn't uh, divide my faith, but it sure did bring some doubts in for a moment. When it's up front and it's personal, and it's the person you love, and it's the one that you raised, and they completely turn the opposite direction, you gotta know that you know. Does this make sense to anybody? Amen. The next morning I get up and I did my run, and I put on worship music, and I just said, Jesus, I, this is so me for you. Jesus, I love you, I just love you. I love you, Jesus. And I just kept leaning into him, leaning into him. And it's no, I noticed what happened was that doubt, that heaviness, all of that was lifted. Does this make sense to anybody? I, I can't teach that. I can't put that in a classroom. It's called a relationship. And, and why I share that with you is that we're all on a journey together. And if, uh, if I lead this church the way I'm supposed to, I gotta create a, a place for everybody to be able to come and not just challenge you to change the world, but we're here to work through one another. Is this, is this not good? Can somebody say amen? Yeah. The key point about going is simply this. Going requires what Jesus called a childlike faith. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I want you to do this. Do you trust me? How many of us hold on to something and say, I'll trust you, but I'm bringing this along? You with me? Let me give you the second point. It's not only that Abraham was called to go and willing to go. The second thing is Abraham was willing to pass on things. Abraham was willing to pass on things. Somebody say, it is yours, Lord. Say it again. It is yours, Lord. Now, he was willing, he would never be willing to go if he wasn't willing to pass on something that was before him or something that he had. That's true for all of us, is it not? We see in Hebrews 11, it says in verse 10, Abraham passed on the things of this world. Why? He knew that he knew there was something way better, even if what we have before us seems really, really good. Faith walking is focused on the higher prize. We know that we have, uh, Abraham had kingdoms and he had riches and he had power and he had pleasure, but what he needed and what he wanted was more of God. Ask yourself the question at the end of the day, is that enough for you? I'm asking you again. If everything was, was stripped away from you, is Jesus enough? I'm asking you one more time. If you were to lose everything, is Jesus enough? Or is it Jesus and everything else? Abraham was willing to pass on things for something way better. 
You see, he passed on the present for a greater reward. I believe that delayed gratification or delayed satisfaction is greater gratification. We want everything now. We want everything immediate. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 10? He said to, said to his disciples, you will receive a whole lot more in this life, but a whole lot more in the life to come. I'm paraphrasing. Did he not? I want you to know that we have to come to that same ability. Luke chapter 12, when he's talking about the man with the silos, and at the end of the, of the story, he says, are you rich in God? That's what I want to be said of me than anything else. Nothing about position or titles or accomplishments or any of that. What I want to be known for is I've passed off everything that I could be rich in God, that I could have such a relationship with him that it's all about that. And here's the key, folks. Nothing is yours in the first place. It's not yours. Your spouse is not yours. My daughter is not mine. Your job is not yours. Your skill and your talent is not yours. The country in which you live is not yours. And the, breathe, the air that you breathe is not yours. Once we understand that, we are willing to pass on this because we know that everything is a gift from him. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Once we understand that, it makes all the difference in the world. And what we understand is that Abraham passed on the things that he currently had and God raised up a nation, did he not? Out of a man that was 75, and the impossibility. Anybody love the impossibility? I love the fact that God uses people like you and me that nobody else thinks that God will use. When Dwight looked over at me as a kid, I met a kid, a guy at the uh, conference who was my eighth grade science teacher. That puts him really old. And he, he and I were reminiscing as when I was a student in his classroom. I wasn't a believer. And he had me come in front of the class and I had to give a presentation. I was so petrified that whatever I had uh, planned to share went completely out. And I also stuttered. So I was stuttering. I, my brain went sideways and I couldn't even do the presentation. And he was gracious enough to kind of land the plane for me so that I wouldn't humiliate myself more and then as, he, as we chatted with one another it was a kind of reality isn't it cool that God uses the one that nobody thinks he can use right you and I are that are we not we are totally that and here's a nation is birthed because Abraham was willing to give up something now for something greater later what does John say my friends do not love the world or anything in the world for anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eye, the boasting of what he has or does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and his desires will pass away, but the one who does the will of the Father will live forever. And here's Abraham. He's passing on the current. And yet in the process, we see in Genesis 16, two, se two separate times the man lies, gives up his wife to save his own skin, so that he, and yet God still uses him in all of this. It was in process. The question is for us today, are you willing to pass on things in order for something greater? Are you willing to pass on the promotions or more money? Because God says, I want you to be... Uh, my, my, my brother was with me this weekend, and he said... I worked, he has his own company. He said, I work so much 
I missed my kids growing up. Now I'm trying to uh, get it back with the grandkids. I didn't respond. I thought, well, how sad is that? I'll never get it back, right? Never get it back. Are you willing to pass on something that matters more? We need to give up our own aspirations to live for him. Church, we can make that choice now because as we approach the last days, Jesus clearly tells us we're not gonna have it anyways. It will get worse. And we have to prepare for that. We live and we engage with everything we've got. But we also must have a biblical worldview as we look at the world around us and we pass on things that are not necessary for things that are greater. Because there's only two things that will last, aren't they? God's word and people. All right? Are we going to be engaged what really, really matters? As we say often at KCC, if you're in the marketplace, then that's the place that's your mission field. So use it with everything you've got. You may be the only Jesus those people will ever, ever see. Amen, church? So simple. What I'm sharing with you today, you've heard a thousand times over, but it's a nice reminder. Abraham was willing to go, and Abraham was willing to give up things now. And the third and final point I would say to you is, and it was possible because Abraham was willing to worship and witness. Somebody say, worship Jesus. Say it again, worship Jesus. I find it interesting in verses six and seven that Abraham worshiped God publicly in front of the people at the Oak of Morah. And he was going publicly, holding himself accountable for what God had said to him. In other words, Abraham found the satisfaction in God and, and as he is engaging with God. In other words, faith walking requires this continual act of worship. Worship is a living sacrifice. Here's my life, Lord. Worship is me privately, like I said to Jesus as I was running, I love you. But worship is also this. This is a powerful thing that we do all the time. Let me illustrate it this way, what we're trying to produce and, and, and give space for at KCC. Shereen Bradley, who was also at the conference, we were in a smaller group, she stood up and she said she's thankful for our church because we provide a space for the Holy Spirit and said how God has worked in her life as a result. If you don't have public spaces of worship, it's really hard to have those experiences. And we're in a moment in time where we're gonna need each other like we've never needed each other before. Not only for what God has said to us personally in our faith walking, but that we can encourage one another, right? So when I'm, when I'm uh, in a moment of my doubt, you come alongside me and grab my arm and say, we can do this. And vice versa, you get with me? Get it? And we're gonna need that like never before. And I believe what Abraham's core was is that he understood what it me meant to continue to worship the God who called him that kept him going and giving things up even though he would mess up in the process. He kept going and scripture de finally declared he was what? He was a man of faith. And his name changed, right? He had a good name, by the way. Abraham meant exalted father. And many of us are totally okay with where we're at. But here's what I want you to understand is that Abraham means a father of many people. So God was like, you are an exalted father, but I want to do more in your life. And in your 75, you could have already said, been there, done that. Ran the race, let somebody else do it. He's like, no, 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 no. I have so much more for you. And I've challenged those even older than me to say, until your last breath, Keep on fighting the fight and running the race and saying to him, what is it you want for me? Because it could be your greatest hour. Can I get an amen? It could be your greatest hour. 
This worship changes us and it transforms us. He was also tested with his son, right? Brought Isaac to the altar. Wait a minute, God, I, I obey you and, I, and you give me the son, the miracle, and now you want me to sacrifice? Well, we know that Abraham finally believed that either God was going to raise him from the dead or he was going to provide a sacrifice because he trusted God, right? We, we also know that hindsight from reading in the book of Hebrews. But what God was saying is this, I want you to have, I want all of you, I want to know that, it, uh, that you're all in, that uh, you truly believe this, and at that moment it became clear he was all in. I don't know about you all, but I want to be all in. Not just for five minutes, not when it's popular, not when people are clapping, but when I'm in my private, when I'm by myself, when I have my low moments, when I feel like I can't do it, when nobody else is around, when all hell seems to go around, when my, when my, when my gut is sick, when I hear of children being killed, when I see the church in, in, in decline, when I see that we don't have enough pastors, when all of those things are screaming at me, it's in that moment of moments that I want to cling to him, not pull away, that I want to hold on to the one who truly is in control and focus on him. Anybody else? Because at the end of the day, what do we know? We win. Good news, folks. We win this thing. Anybody else besides me like to win? We win this thing. And whatever it is we're going through right now, here's some good news. There's always a beginning and there's always an end. And he has promised he will carry us through. Whatever it is you're going through, God is calling you specifically to a go. What does that go look like for you? And he's saying to you, in order for that go to actually occur, you need to be willing to give up. You may be called to give up something that's not yours anyways, by the way, so that you can experience the beauty of what God wants to do in your life. In order, lastly, to fuel this and keep it going, it's called worship. It's saying, I'm keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. I don't know about you, but I leak really, really bad. And he fills me up continuously. Keeps helping me be what I need to be. So we take our faith public boldly and humbly and passionate and merciful without judgment. The key point is this, worship flows from our intimacy with Jesus. You want to have people that, you want to have a great worship service, you have people that love Jesus, right? And the beautiful thing about that, that are people that are on a journey towards Jesus, when they participate in that corporate worship, it, it overflows onto them too. They benefit from it. So my friends, we're all called to a faith walk. And you may be in the middle of the storm. And I'm saying to you that God is there. He's saying to us, we can change the world. I believe that with everything I've got. We will change the world. My daughter's not here today. She's 26 years old, as you, know, you guys know. She's attending here. And I said to her this past week, I said, Michaela, you are going to lead the greatest generation of the church in America we've ever seen. She looked at me puzzled. And I said, what I mean by that is this. It may not be the biggest, but it's gonna be the most committed on fire, ablaze for God like we have never seen. We will see signs and wonders and miracles and deliverances and the glory of God like never before. I believe that with everything I've got. And I don't know about you, but until I have my last breath, whatever role I, I play, whatever God chooses, I won't be there. I'm, I, anybody else? 
I'll ask you again. Anybody else want to be there? Yeah. I, 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 and so here am I, Lord, send me. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, if I've said something that's not of you, I pray that would go away. But if I had said something, I pray you would not allow us to get away from it. What we're doing at KCC, we're going to do right now, we're going to give you space. We're going to give you opportunity to work and to move. So I'm asking right now that you would, as we said at the beginning of the service, that you would speak because your servants are listening. Would you do the impossible? Would you work powerfully in our lives? Lord, I pray you'd bless those that are online. I'm feeling prompted. Church, those of you in the sanctuary, would you pray for the people that are online right now? Go ahead. I feel like there's somebody that's online right now that's hurting and is lonely. They're by themselves in their home and they're thinking about quitting and giving up. Go ahead, pray for them right now. We stand in Jesus' name and we rebuke that spirit of hopelessness, loneliness and despair. We pray you'd usher your spirit into that house right now. Whether they're in Pakistan or Australia, Saudi Arabia or in Kentwood, we pray today that you would speak into their hearts. Go ahead, church, go ahead, pray for them. You are the saints. Ask God to do the miraculous for them. Speak to them. And Lord, not only for those who are online, for those in this room, for the one that says, man, pastor, I like the sermon, but boy, do I screw up. I pray for them tonight, right now. I pray they would experience a move of your spirit upon them, that they would know your, your, your tender voice of going, whatever that looks like for them. And you would do what you need to do in their heart and their life. Look up this way. Don't check out on me. What we're gonna do is we're gonna give the Holy Spirit a moment. And in that moment, that means there's freedom. Is it okay? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And in this freedom, you can stand, you can sit, you can come to the altar. But Bethany's gonna lead us in a song that kinda puts this all together, what I said. So we're gonna worship, we're not gonna sit passive. And we're gonna let the Holy Spirit move. I don't have a specific call but I know the Holy Spirit's got a specific call for you. And so I'll, I'll be up here, I'll sit here. If anybody needs to be prayed for, we wanna provide that. If you're newer to KCC, we, we just love to be able to support one another and bow our knee. No judgment, no stones being thrown. We're just seekers after Jesus. You with me? Holy Spirit is here. So church, stand, sit, kneel, come forward. Bethany, lead us. Church, let's have a moment of worship. And I'll come back in a moment.
everyone to stand with me. The Spirit of the Lord is working powerfully in people's lives, not just up front. I know online because the Holy Spirit said to me. And for those of you online, we are, we're, we, I ask you to engage with our, our hosts. Allow them to engage you. For those of you here, if, if it was too strange or too weird to get out of your seat, I get that. But engage us somehow that we can come alongside. Amen. Church, would you extend your hands forward for these? Lord, we, uh, we agree together. Life is so tough at times. Would you hear the cry on behalf of your children? Would you do the miraculous and provide for them what they need in their life today? Hear my cry today, oh God. We together with one voice in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the one that has already won the victory because of his resurrection from the death, who has ascended to the Father's right hand side, is now interceding for on our behalf. And we believe because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was promised to every saint that you will give us, equip us, heal us, deliver us, strengthen us, give us your vision, give us your purpose, give us your perspective, enable us to be able to truly experience what the Bible says with me, it is impossible. With you, all things are possible. I am weak, but you are strong. We acknowledge for the glory of God that you would come in like a wave, a fresh wind, a fresh power uh, to happen here right now in this place, Holy Spirit, have your way. Do the miraculous right now. We pray this in the name of Jesus. We are a desperate people. 
a desperate people needing an incredible God today. We're an expectant people. We want to expect things from you today. Holy Spirit, we put you in foremost in front of us. We say, Holy Spirit, do that which only you can do. Do that. Bring healing in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just tell him right now before we, before we um, move on, just tell him right there where you're at. Just tell him that you love him. Can you do that? Go ahead, church. Pray it out. Recommit your heart to him. Go ahead, church. Come on, church. He's here. Holy Spirit is here. You won't have moments like these often. Tell him to speak for your servant is listening. Do what only you can do. We love you. Holy Spirit, you are faithful. We're not afraid of you, Holy Spirit. We're not afraid of you. We invite you here. We desire you. We want to be real and authentic. We want to be simply children to say yes to you. Tell them to take control. The Bible says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tell them to take control of your life. Tell them to take control of your mind and of your heart. Tell them to take control of your emotions. Tell them to take control of your struggle and your challenge. Tell them to engage every doubt that you have, every struggle and every frustration right now. He's there. He's here. Tell them to do that in Jesus' name. We celebrate that. Hallelujah. For your promises are true. Your promises are true. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We truly celebrate you. Mm, Brand, let's just uh, sing that chorus, Promises, or whatever the name of that song is you sing. Let's worship, church. Let's worship right now, as I, before we close. Let's make this our declaration.
Somebody say hallelujah. One more time, hallelujah. I want to encourage you this morning that next week you need to invite people here. We're gonna look at Joshua, but we're gonna have a healing service specifically next week. Do you need somebody that needs a touch from God and you know they're on a journey towards God? You want them here this next Sunday. Can I get an amen? amen. Yes. Will the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. And all God's people said.